The following presentation is from North Pine Baptist Church. We trust that it will help you learn more about God and His message for the world. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au. As we continue to focus on God, we sometimes ask the question, where is God when trouble comes knocking? Sometimes it's hard to see him in the middle of life. Sometimes we ask the questions, God, do you care? God, do you know where I'm at? Do you know what I'm going through? Do you know the thoughts that, that I have? Are you present? Are you helping me? Sometimes you might hear it from your friends who are not Christians, and they might say, well, I don't believe in God because if there was a loving God, why would he allow all of the, the strife and the suffering in this world? And as we focus on God this morning, I simply want to say this. I sim- simply want to say, as we look at the story of Joseph, and I was hoping in the song, the, you know, Joseph is the true, uh, Jesus is the true and greater Joseph. I was hoping there was going to be one in there. But I simply want to say this as we look at the Joseph story that you know so well, most likely, uh, that, that this, this is the idea I want to put to you, that God is seeking to transform us. He seeks to transform us and then our world so that one day he can dwell with us face to face. So whatever you're in right now, I would want to put to you that God's using that to transform you. And without you knowing it, he's using it to transform the world around you if you will let him. So let's dig into the story. It's in Genesis chapter 37. The story of Joseph. So we're going to just do a quick summary of 37 and jump to 39 as well. This is a story about a young man who, uh, whose life affected the destiny of his family and of the world. This is the account of Jacob's family. And if you haven't grown up in church, you would have heard of Joseph and his coat, right? The many colored coat or whatever. This is the story. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the son of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought a bad, he brought their father a bad report about them. This was a complex blended family. There were two wives. Jacob had two wives and two concubines. There were 12 children and, 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 and many, many other people in the household. Complex blended family. And this young man who was the 11th in the line of 12 sons, he brings a story, and the, the word a bad report is simply that, that he was making up a story. He was, he was tittle-tailing or dobbing his brothers in and, and coming back to his father and making his brothers look bad. Then we read on, and, and I'll skim through the story, and you can sort of look as you look in Genesis 37. He then tells them about these dreams that he had. And he says to them, hey, I had a dream. He's 17 years old, remember, big older brothers. And he said to them, I've had this dream. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field, and, and, and you know, we put them together. And my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves bowed down to, me, to it. Next story. He says a little bit later, he says he had another dream. And he told his brothers and his father at that time, he said, listen, there was another dream. And this time the sun and moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. This young man, without God's intervention, was on the road to becoming a brat. All right, that's the plain and simple text, right? 
He was on the way to becoming a really, really unhelpful young man who just criticized everyone else. And if God hadn't intervened in his character and who he was, God wouldn't have done what he wanted to do through this young man. But here's the story that God never gives up on us. He understands how we start out. And in Genesis 37, verse 8, his brothers then turn back to him and say to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. There was a pattern in this family, friends. And as I said, it was a blended family. But there was a pattern, a generational pattern. There was lying in the history of this family, all the way from Abraham and then Isaac and then Jacob. They all lied. In fact, Jacob's name means the deceiver. There was favoritism in at least one parent in each generation. Abraham loved Ishmael. Isaac loved Esau. Jacob loved Joseph and gave him this coat, this beautiful coat. Brothers in in these three families had experienced cut off from one another. In each of these generations, Isaac was cut off from Ishmael. Jacob from his brother Esau. And now Joseph from his brothers. There was poor intimacy in, in the marriages of these men. So sometimes we look at these characters in the Old Testament and we go, oh, let's try and emulate their lives. They were broken people like you and I. But their lives were complicated unless God intervened. And that's where the story goes. The idea of Old Testament narrative, Old Testament stories, we really need to look at what is God doing. That's the thread through them. Not is what, what's the person doing? Let me try and be more like this person and be more like... Uh, David, who overcame Goliath, made me be more courageous. No, what is God doing? What is he up to in the course of human life? So the story carries on, and the brothers go out with his sheep, and then the father sends Joseph to them. Jacob sends Joseph to them. Genesis 37, verse 23. They were so angry with him, they came to him, and they decided to do him in. I'm jumping a whole lot of verses here. You can go and read it for yourself. And it says in the Bible that when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the robe that his father had given him, the robe that sort of set him apart, this ornate robe, his identity. They stripped him of it. These are his brothers. They threw him in a pit, treated him as dead. In fact, they wanted to kill him. The cistern was empty and there was no water in it. Verse 28. So they came up with a plan. These are their brothers. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled up Joseph out of the cistern and sold him to the, for 20 shekels to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. So what had happened? They threw him in the pit. They sat down talking about what to do. And then they saw these traders coming along, the Ishmaelites. By the way, the Ishmaelites were their, were their distant cousins of these people, right? They were related to Abraham. So it's like this whole family history, everybody doing somebody else in. And unless God intervenes in our human story, we will end up there, broken. We'll pass it on. There'll be generational brokenness. And of course, Jacob is broken. They go back and tell him the news. They, they make up the story. They're lying now. They say, Joseph, they take the, this cloak, there's blood on it, and, and they put blood on it, and they give it to, to Jacob. They say, you make up your mind. What happened to your son Joseph? And jo- Jacob realizes or thinks that Joseph is dead. He starts to mourn. For many years he mourned. 
It'll be more than, probably almost more than 20 years before he sees Joseph again, thinking he was dead. But here's the big idea, here's the storyline. Here's the thread that God's pulling through this. Look what the narrator writes into the story. And he says this at the end of chapter 37. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. He's wanting us to know this tension, this drama in the story, but he's wanting us to know it's not done yet. Something's happening in this story. And the writer is able to to give us a bigger view, to give us a sense that there's something more going to happen. It's what we call the balcony view or the view from the balcony. And somebody came up with this idea and said, you know, sometimes in life it's like we're in this busy street and life is just happening. In among that, there's there's a young mom pushing her baby in the pram, wondering about the baby's future. In that, there's the young man who's wondering, does anybody care about him? He's on drugs. Is there going to be any help for him? In there is the lady going to work and wondering if she can pull off the deal for her team so that her business might prosper. In there's the man going to work, wondering if he's got what it takes to be successful in this world. In there's the older person who's going, is there anything that I can still add to This world, can I bring a contribution? Am I still valuable? In there's the person who perhaps has a disability, wondering what's going to be their lot in life. But the view from the balcony, the people sitting in the balcony, they look down on that. They sort of sit away from it, and they've gone up there, and they can see in the distance. They can see the puddles in the road. They can see where this is going, where the street is going. They can see the sun shining. The view from the balcony is what the writer is giving us here and saying it's not done yet. And sometimes for us and and our lives, and I know I get stuck into being in the street, that's all you can see. That's all I can see is what is going to happen next. And sometimes we just need this balcony view from God to say it's going somewhere. It's going somewhere. Trust me. I want to ask you the question, if somebody were to write a book about you one day, like has been written about Joseph, a quarter of this book of Genesis is about Joseph. Somebody had to write a book about you. I wonder what balcony view they would give to your life. I wonder how they would make sense and go, you know, life was hard for that person. But they could see God's handiwork, the threads of God's grace in your life. Joseph was on this roller coaster. Was God absent? He names his sons a little bit later. We won't go there, but it seems like he's going, I'm an, I'm an alien in this land. God is absent. Where is he? He's outside of his land, away from his culture, his language, and the food that he knows. He may be tempted to say, where is God? Is he incompetent? Has his plan failed? Has he sort of given up on us? Is he just not interested in this world? Does he care? And if he does care, is he unable to do anything? But yet there were the promises that God had given 
Joseph's forefathers. To Abraham in Genesis 12, verse 2 to 3, and you can look them up. They'll be on the screen, just the, the high level. But I, I'll just tell you what they are. In Genesis 12, verse 2 to 3, God promises Abraham. He says, I will bless you and make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who, who bless you and ever curses you. I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. There's a promise to Abraham. Later on, there's a promise to Isaac in Genesis 26, verse 2. God says to Isaac, I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants, I'll give you these lands. And then there's the promises to Jacob. When Jacob is running away from his father and from Esau, because Jacob has just deceived his father Isaac. And he's running away, but God shows up in his story. And in Genesis 28, verse 10, he says, I'm with you and will watch over you wherever you go. There were promises in the history of Joseph's lineage, clear promises. Had God forgotten them? The writer of this story, this narrative, shows us that he hasn't. And it's probably Moses that wrote this, we think. Genesis 39, verse 2, look what it says. Joseph's now been sold as a slave. He's in the house of Potiphar, this Egyptian master. And the writer says to us, because he's noticed this after the time, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. I don't know if Joseph, and I'm I'm really just making this up or I'm reading into it. That's probably a better way to say it. I don't know if Joseph saw that at the time. But Potiphar saw it. Things were better. Look what happens in the next verse. When his master saw that the Lord was with him. Notice, it's, a, it's, a, it's an Egyptian bloke, right? Who's seeing that God is with him. And that the Lord gave him success in everything he did. Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in, Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he trusted to his care everything he owned. Verse 5, from that time he put him in charge of his household and All that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was in everything Potiphar had, both in his house and in his field. Remember what I said right in the beginning, God wants to transform us so that he can one day dwell with us. He's also going to transform our world. He's transforming Joseph from this young rat, rash, process he's going to be on his 17 here. By 30, he's second in charge of Egypt. God was working. I'm not suggesting you're going to be second in charge of Australia, right? You may be. But what the story is telling us, there is threats of God stepping into human life to bring about change. Joseph and all of those around him were experiencing God's presence and promise Notice this, outside of the promised land. Remember, he'd come from the promised land up north, and now he was in Egypt. The promised land is where God had said, I'll give you all of this land, but he was in Egypt. But God was blessing him there. He was with Joseph there, helping him. The presence of God was outside of Israel for the first time. God will transform us and our world so that one day he can dwell among us. So you're going, Ray, that's cool. That's Joseph's story. Wish it was mine, apart from the slavery bit. I like the blessing bit and the being in charge, but that's cool. 
what does it mean for you and me here? Well, fast forward a few hundred years. Jesus comes to the scene. God among us. John chapter 1, verse 14. The word became flesh. And what? He made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, the one who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This was John writing. He saw it. We don't see Jesus physically. John is saying, this is what I saw. Jesus shows up among us. He pitched his tent. He made his dwelling among us. That word dwelling is the is, is keneo, which is the, 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 the phrase they used to say, this, he tabernacled among us. That's, if, you, if you translate the, the Hebrew in the Old Testament and you translate it into Greek, they would use that word for the tabernacle. God was with us. He was among us. And we saw him. He became human. Look at Jesus. What does it mean for you and me? See, friends, Jesus was also stripped of his robe, treated as nothing, demeaned. Jesus was also betrayed by his brothers and his friends. Jesus also left his father, in a sense was alienated from him on the cross. Jesus was also sold for pieces of silver just like Joseph. Jesus also became a servant as much as Joseph became a slave. See, Jesus steps into our world. He arrests the moment and he says, it's not for just for Joseph, it's for you too. It's for this world. It's for this moment that you're in. He's in this world. And he said, I'm never going to leave you. you. You may not see me physically, but I'm sending the Holy Spirit who now not won't only be in the world, He will be in you. You see this relentless progression of God coming to dwell among his people? 2,000 years later, after Jesus, we're going, and I'm going, God, well, what's the next step in that? Heaven coming to earth, earth being remade. If you read Revelation, God dwelling with his people. God, when's that going to happen? It's going to happen when he's transformed you and me so that we transform the world around us, that the gospel may be preached to all the world, and then the end will come. I would suggest to you, friend, I don't know your story. We heard Brian and Karen's story this morning. God is at work in their lives in the difficulty that they're in. I want to suggest to you this morning the difficulty you're in, and very often as a human being, I I will say, God, this is not what I'm made for. I don't like this. Surely, knowing God, you shouldn't be experiencing this. And God would say, well, that's what it means to be human. That it's in the difficulty that he's transforming me. It's in the difficulty that he's transforming you, if you will let him. And so I find myself saying, God, instead of saying, I don't want this. I'm learning to say, and I'm not always the case, learning to say, God, what are you wanting me to learn in this? In what way am I being transformed into the likeness of Jesus that I might transform the world around me and so one day you will come and be present with us? Joseph couldn't see his story unfolding. We get confused when these 
problems come knocking, but Jesus took on flesh to bring about change. He's made many promises to you that he will come again, that he will never leave you or forsake you. Seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these things will be added to you. He's made those promises to you. Just as in Joseph's life and in Jesus' life, God is able to ironically take the very worst that was thrown at them and the very worst that is thrown at you and turn something good into it, out of it. The Father used the cross to transform us. Don't be surprised then that he's going to use the troubles of this life to transform you and others so that others might be transformed. I'd like to suggest to you, you're going to need to get onto the balcony periodically and look at your life and go, let me see the bigger picture of this. And sometimes it's hard to do that. And perhaps a friend might be more helpful to you to go, hey, you're down in the dumps, but remember this and remember that and remember that and remember that. You need somebody to help you get on the balcony. You need the Holy Spirit. You need his abiding presence in you and his power. And you're going to need friends on the way, just as we heard this morning. You're going to need friends around you who are going to say to you, keep going, you're okay, God's on your side. You're bringing about change. Look at your life. You might not think it, but you've made this and this difference. You've changed this person's life. You've, you've intervened here. You've helped there. You're bringing about the kingdom on this earth. So I'd like to say three things in closing. Firstly, learn to look for the evidence of God's presence in your life. I want to pause there. What comes to mind? What comes to mind right now where you would go, hmm, this is God? It may be something simple. Secondly, what promises of God do you need to lean into right now? Joseph had three generations of promises. Jesus Christ, the perfect man, son of God, both both God and man steps in and makes you promises. Which ones of those do you need to trust right now? And then thirdly, and perhaps this has come through more clearly than any of the others. In what way is God teaching you about character, about wisdom, about humility, so that he can change the world through you? Let's pray. Spend a moment. In a moment, just in God's presence, it's quiet. What's he saying to you in your heart about his promise to you, about his presence with you, about the part of your character that is wanting to transform? And you may be resisting that. And I simply encourage you to release it. Let him do that. Thank you, Father. 
that you dwell among us through the Holy Spirit. It's because of Jesus that we are able to commune with you through the Holy Spirit. Thank you that one day you will come to dwell among us face to face. That we will see you. We will be like you. And how that happens is a total mystery. Help us to encourage each other. Help us to build each other up in the Lord. Help us to be transformed that we might change our world. Equip us, strengthen us, fill us for this journey. And I want to pray the blessing from Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 on you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this presentation from North Pine Baptist Church. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au